What's up, my friends, and welcome into today's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so glad that you have found us here today. We have a great episode for you. John Blevins is the co-host today. We have some great conversations about how Jesus is the lion and the lamb at the same time. How can you be a lion and the lamb simultaneously? And if we're supposed to be like Christ, then I guess we have to figure that out, too. We also talk about how um, there are some atheists and some pretty bad people who have uh, written songs for uh, church that we sing in mass, and I have some mixed feelings about that that ultimately end up pretty positive. And then we have a very special treat for you today. Um, someone who has been a huge influence on me and the show from the beginning joins the show. I finally get to talk to one of my heroes, Father Dave Dwyer, about his new book called Mass Class. We have a great conversation. He is so much fun. I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. If you do, please hit subscribe wherever you are listening. And especially if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We got so much going on on our YouTube channel. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash Forte Catholic. Enjoy today's show. What's up? And welcome to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Jonathan Lene, bearded the great Blevins. Hello, Jonathan. I still love when you call me Lene. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. think that your, your microphone may have just cut off your WhatsApp for the first time since I've done this with you it doesn't matter that's just a zoom feature everyone listening heard it perfectly oh that's good <laughs> I, I, I have to listen because it's one of my favorite parts that's very funny it's it's funny because there have been times where like at like our big anniversary shows and stuff where i've had the co-hosts yell the intro and you've definitely cut out before so that's what it's one of the reasons why i had you start recording on your computer instead of just through zoom because uh, you would smart. go what <laughs> and welcome to Partick. <laughs> yeah. It was very Beard funny. Lene. We just watched you like silently scream. It was hilarious. John, I have a I have a interesting place to start off today's show. We have a great okay. show planned for you today. Um I didn't even tell you who the guest is. Our guest today, uh, it's a pre-recorded interview, so I'm going to kick you out for it, but it's going to be great. Another reason you should listen to the episode. Okay. Um, a person who has who has been a uh, somebody that I have looked to well, Are you going to give me clues so I can guess? Yes, it's okay, been somebody person that I've looked. I, uh, it's a priest, someone that I have okay. looked to for about ten years on, like, uh, uh, very influential in how I approach Catholic media. Um, I've never spoken to him before, but I've listened to him quite a bit. Hmm. He is a host on SiriusXM's The Catholic Channel. That show is named The Busted Halo Show. The Busted Halo Show. You've never heard of this priest? Of course, Taylor, of course I've heard of this priest. <laughs> you must be speaking of none other than Father Dave. Oh, good Googling. I'm so proud of you. I broke the I broke the rule and I used my, my keyboard instead of my phone too. Dang it. Everyone heard it. I didn't edit it out. <laughs> what's it, what's his last name? Father Dave Dwyer. He's he's huge, man. He's huge. I can't believe you've never heard of him. And he the, the show is called Busted Halo, kind of like he was one of the first people that I saw that it wasn't just like, oh, Catholic leader means perfect. Again, things have changed in the last 10 to 15 years. But when I was young and naive, I thought, oh, oh Catholic leaders, my youth minister, the priest, I thought they were all like perfect and saintly. He was the, he was one of the first people, him and Lino Rulli on the on Sirius XM were like, I am a flawed human being trying my best to love God, serve God and build up the kingdom. And I was like. Yeah. I can do that. I can't be perfect, but I can do that. So uh, I'm very excited to have him on the show. But um, before that, 
I had a moment that involved you. I had two moments that involved you over the last week or two. Um, oh, no. So I'm sitting at my computer, and I'm editing something. I'm, wor- you know, I'm, I'm working. And my son had just gotten home from school. Um, I, think, I think I got out of school or his weekend. I can't remember. Either way, I'm sitting at my computer. My son's playing video games here in this room. And he runs over to me, and he says, Dad, Bearded Blevins just killed me. And I said, excuse oh my me? <laughs> and he, he was playing Fortnite, right? So yeah. I'm like, there's, there's, uh, so I text you immediately. Or I, no, I call you immediately and I watch you on your stream uh, ignore my call. Uh, so then I text you uh, and I'm like, hey, I think you just killed my son in Fortnite. You're like, there's no way. It's some other guy named Bearded Blevins or some copycat or whatever. So a few hours later, I go and I watch the VOD on your channel, twitch.tv slash Bearded Blevins. You can watch like all the streams. So I, I kind of made a mental note of what time it was and, a, and I, I knew how long you had been streaming. So I yeah. knew it was about an hour and a half to two hours in, right? So we go and, and we're watching. So me and the whole family are sitting here watching you live six hours ago. <laughs> you know, like, and uh, my son thought you killed, uh, uh, thought uh, you killed him. And sure enough, um, I'm, 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 I'm watching the thing. And I'm like, if John killed my son, this is going to be one of the most hilarious things <laughs> I, and random. Like the fact that like I've wanted to play t- uh, Fortnite with you and you never let me. The fact that you were then playing with my son was just hilarious to me. Can right? I just say too though, that if, if he had killed me, like if that's how this would have gone, that would have been best case scenario <laughs> But like for for you right. <laughs> and your son, worst case for me, like oh that'd be crazy. I don't know. This might be worse. I, mean, I I think you're right. Worst case would be him killing you. This one wasn't much better because on watching the 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 video on demand, what I saw, he thought you killed him. But a lot of things happened very quickly. We watched it and then we rewound it and we watched it a couple more times. He was in a fight with uh, with another person, and it got down to like they both had you know. So there's a, for those that don't play Fortnite, there's about you have about 200 health, and as the as the, you know you're getting hit, your health's going down. My son died. The other person had about nine health. And then Bearded Blevins flies in and just looks at that guy, essentially, and that guy (laughs) dies. So not only did you not kill my son, you third-partied my son. (laughs) You took my son's kill. But ultimately, I thought you were the bad guy. You avenged my son's death. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I sent that other guy right back to the lobby. <laughs> it was very funny. It was just, it was just so wild of all the, you know, a hundred people get dropped in completely randomly. You have to start the game around the same time. It was just so random that my, my son, who's you know, 10 year, nine, 10 years old, um, playing on a PlayStation, you're playing on, on, you know, PC with an Xbox controller. Like the fact that y'all got lobbied up together, um, was just one, it was fascinating, but two, you always like to claim that you're really good at this game and that you have the best lobbies. I just want you to know there's a lot of nine-year-olds in your lobbies, buddy. <laughs> oh, dude, 100%. If anything, it's a, if anything, it's a compliment to your son because I get in games with the top players in the world. So that means that he is getting in some of those games too. And the skill-based matchmaking, like sometimes it's a time of day, you know, there's just not enough people playing. And so you get pulled up into a lobby or something. But that's pretty cool that he was in there. That means he's getting pretty good. He, he is. It's very funny because... Uh, you know, like there's there's season levels, right? So he plays way more than I do because I have a job and have to feed him and stuff. He just you know lets me feed him and plays video games, goes to school. Uh, so he's a higher level than me, and he like for the season, 
I mean, I've, yeah. I've probably played 500 more hours over the course of the game's been out because he just started playing this summer. But he th- it's it's funny when he thinks he's better than me. Every now and then we'll we'll have a game where you know we'll, we have a couple. You know, we've won I don't know 10, 15 games together, and uh, there's like one or two that he got more damage than me, and he loves that. He loves that. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's I remember like when I beat my dad every once in a while in Madden, and yeah, uh, yeah you love it. You you lose most of the time, but you you'll, you'll uh, rub it in. Right. So I, here I am. I initially thought you were the bad guy. And then I, 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 you're, you're a man of, of honor. You're a man of, of virtue. Then I'm on a walk because uh, I do walks around my neighborhood. I try to go it every day, about five, you know, five days a week. And uh, I get a text from one of my former students who is now like a grown adult, like former student from like six years ago. Right. So he's uh, young, mid 20s. He's getting married. I'm m- m- me and my wife are the sponsor couple for him and his fiance as they're oh, cool. com- like, getting married in the church. Uh, so like we've been hanging out a lot more because, you know, they asked us to be their sponsor couple. He texts me and says, uh, sends me a little a little picture, a couple pictures and some screenshots and stuff. You just totally murdered him. He, he texted me. He said, your buddy just killed me. It says bearded Blevins all over the thing. He's spectating, watching you play. And he said, it wasn't, there wasn't even a chance. Like, he just ran up on me and I was dead. You know, so I thought, like, within a week, I thought you killed my son and then you killed my grown adult son. <laughs> Dude, the, what are the odds of that? That's crazy. Not only have to get in the same lobby, but then you have to like run into each other. It was, it was, That's it was crazy. Like, you know, the whole like, what are the odds that it happens once? It's like, okay, I can see it happening once, but twice in a week? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, that is pretty. And it's actually, the, I've been doing, I've been doing this full time for a year, streaming the game for four and a half years. I've never, I've never known, knowingly killed someone who wasn't another streamer. You know what I mean? Like so oh, all yeah. the people that I know in my life of youth ministry for years, and all this stuff, never once has someone come in and been like, like that I know. I've been like, you killed me. You know what I mean? The people who come in all the time, like every day they're coming. Oh, you just killed me. That's really cool. Hey, I just followed the channel. That's fine. That's normal. Streamers, you know who they are. But like two people that someone in my life knows really well that had in four and a half years happened in one week. We should have gone. You and I should have gone to the casino. I know. I know. Well, I think you did. <laughs> Yeah, well, I needed you there, so. <laughs> oh, it wasn't good, huh? <laughs> it wasn't bad. It just, you know, it, it's uh, it was a whole experience. Uh, yeah, that's fun. Um, I enjoyed following along with that trip. Um, I heard there was a that the Vegas Strip was a boulevard of broken dreams <laughs> at one point. That was, dude. All the memes <laughs> didn't even do it justice. Did, like, it, it, and I honestly, I'm so sad that wind is the reason that the the festival got canceled on Saturday because that means that. Even just walking from casino to casino where they have like these walkways, which you're only outside for 30 seconds. Even that was so bad. You could barely see in front of you and the dust was so bad because the wind. If it would have been, I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything else. Excessive heat and people were at least still walking outside. It would have been even worse because you would have just been able to see all these people in black, super pale, just walking around (laughs) looking like they hate themselves. It was rough. It was, it was rough very, on Saturday for a lot very of people. Funny. So this is for those of you who are the for the uh, unindoctrinated. This was a like the the punk punk music festival is going to be like uh, you know the the biggest thing. All these old bands coming back, which is funny because it's like classic punk now because we're old John. yeah like this like we're the age that our parents started listening to classic rock which was just called rock whenever they were yep. kids you know uh so i think it's very funny that it was wind and not dust because uh you went to a classic rock concert i went to a classic rock concert when i was a child with my dad whenever he was our age and uh we heard a song dust in the wind all is dust in the wind <laughs> so <laughs> it all comes together we're getting older hello and that sounds like a catholic song 
Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, uh, from dust you came <laughs> and to dust you shall yeah. return. All you are is dust in the wind. Uh, okay. So other than you um, being an emo person after losing money and losing a concert in Vegas uh, and killing everyone that I know, uh, let's dive into our show today. Shall Wait, we? did you know? You do know that I went to the concert Sunday and it was one of the greatest days of my life. I, I do. I don't care about that. I only oh, care okay, about that's fine. I just want to make sure that you know that it was an overall win situation for me. Wind? It was an overall win. Ah, it was situation. a wind. <laughs> Pretty I'm sure there's a casino in Vegas called the Wind Casino as well. That would have been even better. Windstar. Windstar. W-Y-N-N, right? No? Oh, is there? I don't know. I barely left the place we lived that we were staying in. That we lived. I lived there. It was a whole I did. Days. I lived there for four days and still couldn't sleep. <laughs> well, okay, good. All right, I went to mass the other day. Let's get into the, let's get into our Catholic stuff, other than murder and. Wait, I went to mass the other day too. Was your mass thirty minutes long? No, it wasn't. But I complained to the priest that it was that was over sixty. <laughs> oh wow! See, very opposite Sundays. <laughs> we really did. We really did. Oh my gosh! I just I just went to stretch out my foot. I'm in this new recording studio, and all I did was stretch out my foot, and everything got dark because I blocked out the. I blocked oh, that's out wild. The, the, what is this? Dude, called? I've Light? never my my whole life never experienced. I've experienced fast masses. Never like this, bro. It was a packed, it was big, it was packed place. A lot of old people, priests. Father's Holy Spirit, man. Still be with you. Like just boom, the, the Eucharistic prayer was crazy. This is my buddy giving up for you. Ding, ding, ding. It was, it was wild, dude. Thirty minutes. It was almost like he had an appointment. What's go on what's, though? How was your mess? What's funny is that we've been arguing for months on this show about the correct speed to listen to podcasts. That priest did mass at two times speed exactly 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. that's exactly what it sounded like so it sounds like you're not in the in the boat of the two times podcast list yeah, we've talked about this yeah i can't i can i'm getting close to being able to do 1.25 oh my goodness what i i found a sweet spot apple I, so I've, I've been saying that most shows i do 1.5 or two depending on the show and the content and that sort of thing but apple did an update to the phone a few weeks ago they have a 1.75 now sweet spot Sweet, Sweet spot. spot. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's too fast. Oh, dude, it's it's perfect. But um, I, I'm glad that you went to a two times speed mass. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Um, I here I I have questions about your mess now. I, I didn't know that we were going to talk about this, but I do have questions. So the priest was going going quickly. Um, did he train everyone else to follow suit? Like, did the lectors read fast? Did the altar servers ring the bells fast? So, so this is, again, the crazy thing. This is called the, sh I forget what it, the actual church was called, but it's the shrine of something. It's right on the strip. It is right across the street from like the biggest casinos there. And uh, you would think that it would, you would think that it would, I don't know, be a really good opportunity to show a beautiful one hour mass, you know, just English, fine, whatever, just put incense, all that kind of stuff. Nah, dude, like it was, it, it, the, there was no altar servers. Uh, there was one lector. There was one cantor and a and an organ player. And when they even when they did the psalm, which didn't feel rushed at all, the psalm and the readings didn't feel rushed. But the reason the psalm went by so fast was that they only sang the refrain. The reader who read the first and second reading also read the psalm. So oh yeah, like so it did go a little bit fast. And actually, I kind of liked that. I kind of liked that that way they did that. And but the, really, I think it was the Eucharistic prayer. It was from the time that the homily ended. It was the hom. No, I'm I'm sorry. It was the time the gospel ended until the end of mass. That was where the priest is in control of all of it. Yeah. Where it just flew. <laughs> it flew. I, and I've never heard of. I wish I recorded it. And you know what? They do record it. So I'm gonna go look for it. And maybe I'll try to send it to you. And you can plug it in here. <laughs> I've never heard. <laughs> I've never heard him, a, a priest, sing the the Eucharistic prayer the way he sang it. 
ever. I, I don't. I think he made it up. It's his own thing. But he was just. Yes, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> But like the drawn out Kermit, Amen, and a drawn out, a drawn out beginning too. Two guys are just holding little hands, and then it just keeps going. It was just very weird, um, and it did not feel reverent, but it didn't feel irreverent. It was very interesting. It really felt like just two times speed. That's crazy. Very, that's very funny. So what I want is if you send me a clip of that, and then I'll put it on here, and then people okay. hear it. The correct people listening to this podcast will hear it at four times speed. Oh yeah, <laughs> you won't be able to hear anything. That's great. That's great. Um, so uh, it's funny. We have a, a, a young, so a young associate pastor at our parish who is acting as the pastor for three to four months as our past as our pastor is taking his well-deserved sabbatical after 17 years of service. He's supposed to take it every seven. They let him do it after 17. So he's, wow. he's in the Holy Land. Our, our young um, associate pastor is he's our age uh, or he's my age. You're super old. Um, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy. And, uh, but it's fun though. It's kind of like with Father Anthony, like being my age, I get to mess with him, right? So after every mass, I'm like, so I, you know, just like I do with you guys, I'll say something genuine and then immediately ruin it with a diss, right? Like yeah. he knows that like I'm a Catholic speaker that gets booked to speak and I have the show. Like I'm, I'm very, you know, every now and then I'm good at the talkie, right? But so when I would compliment it, I was like, your homily was really good. Like I could tell that it meant something, right? He probably has a bunch of people come up to him and say, hey, that homily was good. But it, it didn't matter. But, uh, but then I was also like, but, you know, it did go seven minutes over. And he just like threw up his hands, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, was, this wasn't the mass. I went to a different mass a few weeks ago. And I've been waiting for the right time to talk about this. And I feel like you're the perfect person to talk to this about. So I was at um, a, a different church for, for Mass, and this song started playing that I immediately have um, incredible emotional connection to, right? So the song is called Good to Me by Audrey Assad. And yep. so uh, immediately, like, I was at the album launch of that show, the first time that she ever played it wow. for a public audience, I was there. I was there with my teens. I brought my, my teens when I was a youth minister to it. Um, that song was playing when my daughter, who is now seven, was born on the side of the road. That song was playing as like my wife birthed her and I caught her on this like in the car. Oh, have you never told me this story? This is amazing. It's on the podcast, John. If you listen oh, to the you... podcast, you would know anything about me. <laughs> I will continue to affirm you that I've listened to your podcast more than any other podcast in the history of the world, except for Crime Junkies. Keep going. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, okay. I, uh, that was that was a good me. You affirmed me and then immediately <laughs> dissed me. That was very good. That was very good. <laughs> um, but that that song was playing. My wife had like a birthing playlist. It just so happened that this song wow. was on while we're driving on on the highway in the middle of nowhere. She's giving birth. I run over, you know, and catch the baby. Right. Um, that song is playing as I'm holding my daughter for the first time. It's it's in January. It's freezing cold. I'm holding her in this like this miracle of a thing that I. I, I, I know nothing about science and being a doctor. I should not be around medical situations. The fact that everything was okay and that she was healthy, it just, it just felt like a miracle, right? Because yeah. like, if anything would have gone wrong, it would have really gone wrong because I don't know anything, right? So <laughs> I'm holding her and I'm holding her like in the heater of the car because you know, and this song just keeps playing. You are good to me. You are good to me. And it's just like, I just have this incredible emotional connection to it, right? But if anybody... Yeah follows um 
the internet, <laughs> if you've been on the internet the last few years, you know that Audrey is now an atheist and pretty far from Catholicism, right? So, like, I'm, I'm having all these mixed emotions. Immediately, this rush of, like, man, like, God is good. God has really helped me. But then, like, this incredible sadness and kind of frustration that, like, why are we playing this atheist song at Mass, right? And then by the end of the song, it took about four or five minutes, this other rush of emotion of, man, it's actually kind of a cool thing that God is still using something from a person who was Catholic, who is now atheist to help other people come to Christ now. So I had this yeah. wide span of emotions. Um, so uh, what do you think about the scenario I found myself in at mass the other day? Wow. I want to, well, so real quick, how did you like, yeah, where, where does you, that's where you ended up. You ended up during that mass thinking, Oh, it's a good thing. Yeah, so where I ended was, oh, I, like, I'm not an atheist, and I, I don't think I'm going to go down that path. It's not in the plans, right? But, like, it was, like, imperfect, broken people who uh, can still do good things for the kingdom and build up the kingdom, even through mm. our, even through our, frust you know, our frustrations, our brokenness, our imperfections. And I was, like, I left it with hope uh, that, like, despite my failings, that, like, when I go and give a talk that people can grow closer to Christ, whenever people listen to the show that they can be encouraged and have a good time and, and also grow in their relationship with God and the church. So like, that's how I left it was like, it was this, it, like I literally ran, you know, the four emotions that I can have uh, as a, as a, as a man, as a millennial man, I had them within like five minutes of this song playing. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, it's funny because normally when you and I talk about stuff like this, where there's a chance for optimism and a chance for pessimism, the roles are reversed. Where I'm like, well, Taylor, isn't that? But this, I, I think, I think what I think the way you're looking at that is the correct way to look at it. I have not found myself able to do that yet with people that inspired inspired me in big ways earlier in life, who then have made different decisions. Instead, my reaction is just like uh, sadness and right. like I'll and I'll pray for them. Like it's not anger; it is an anger because. And if there's a lesson for me there, it's just always that never put our hope in people. Oh, absolutely. Um, right? Because people are always going to let you down no matter who it is, even your friends. But like, um, I, I think of Matt Marr. Like if Matt Marr left the church, I'd be a mess. I really would. Because he, I feel like if there's one person that that I'm not very, very, very close with that has had an impact on my faith life for the last, how old am I? I'm 35 now. For the last 20 years, it's been him. Like I, he dated my cousin. So like I got to go to St. Tim's when he was just like the youth ministry music guy at St. Tim's. The fact Tim's. that you still like him after he dated your cousin and did not marry her is a really cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and like I, I just I he talked to me and I went to the NCYC one time for the first time that I was there and it was the first time he was there and he was nobody was talking to him because he was nobody knew who he was and I, and then all of a sudden he's on the main stage and I, I loved set me as a seal and I was like if he plays that song. Like God wants me at this conference. It was like this Strong first moment I had. Is love, yes, dude. And that song that doesn't have anything. That's not an adoration song. Um, uh, oh, absolutely not. It's a love song that I sang to yeah. my wife when I surprised her in college. We've talked dude, about yes, that. yes. <laughs> and and so um, but he played it, and I was like, oh my gosh, God's real and he loves me. And then from that moment, I've you know, being in ministry, as you have lost for me 15 years, 
you just see him at different points at different conferences, different events. And like, we grew up together. Like he's, I got married and had kids and he's like, I need to get married. I feel like God has a plan for me. And then he gets married and has kids. It's just, we, we've been on the same journey and I've been really inspired that he's been able to grow. He so got if he left, hair. I got great hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. And so if he left, like he's one of the only people in the church left that if he left, like I don't put my hope in people, but I still have a lot of hope in him. But when Audrey's one of those people too, like it hurt, man, because she, she would had such an impact on so many of the young females that uh, and males, but like especially females in youth ministry, um, you know, being one of the first speakers to or and musicians to open up about like all the different struggles that she had. I feel like was a great gateway to get a lot of the young ladies to open up about their stuff to you know to the counselors, to priests, all that stuff. Um, and so it's it really hurt me when she left, and I I'm, and just broke my heart. So I think your way of looking at it is much healthier than my way, but it's very sad. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I mean, if I'm like, that's where I've been for years since she left is a mixture of anger and frustration and sadness and like a little bit of like kind of scared of it. Right. Because like if she can fall like any of us can. Right. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So like that's that's the feeling where I came into Matt. I think I think the thing that kind of, quote unquote, saved me in it or like helped me get get there quicker is just the such the positive emotional connection I have because of my daughter, right? Like that's that's yep. a moment that can never be ruined, right? Um, so it, it, I made that transition kind of like from where you're saying that you are, which is where I've been for the whole time since she went off the deep end. Um, and finally it switched. It didn't switch from like anger and sadness. It was just like on top of it was laid this like hope of like kind of the whole like looking in the mirror thing. It's like I have some similarities to her i just because we all have similarities to broken people because we're all broken people um so i it, it just gave me hope that like you know 10 years from now somebody can listen to a podcast or listen to a talk or something and be um inspired encouraged or helped or whatever even when it was it was you know despite all of my sins and my weakness um whether that's 10 years from now or tomorrow they're listening to this or whatever right so yeah um yeah, it was like so that stuff's still there. It's not like, oh, God completely healed me. It was just like a, a new perspective that was given in mass. No, but I appreciate that because I think I'm going to start trying to look into that with a little more of a grateful heart because that's, I love, I love her music, dude. Like, I don't know if there's a better Catholic musician outside of maybe Matt Marr in the last 50 years. Yeah. In my opinion, so I mean, good. she's restless, helped me fall in love with God in any way, but also like St. Augustine. And uh, yeah, she's just her whole album on the Saints. I mean, that where she just basically like took a different saint and made a song uh, about each one was just beautiful. Still is. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So um, don't go anywhere. I'm going to go and uh, take a break from John, and I'm going to have a conversation with Father Dave Dwyer. Yeah, I am from the Busted from the Halo. Busted Halo. It's just a dream come true for me. I hope that you guys enjoy the conversation. And John will join me again for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. We are headed to Rome, and we would like for you to come with us. Father Anthony and I are leading a Forte Catholic trip to some of the holiest sites in Italy. We're going to Rome, the Vatican, Assisi, and beautiful Tuscany. We hope that you will consider joining us. Head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash travel right now. There you'll find all that you need to know about the trip, how you can sign up. We hope that you will sign up soon to join us for this incredible trip, our first ever pilgrimage through Forte Catholic. And it's just going to be a blast as we go to these holy sites. We eat great food. We drink. We have fun. Uh, record some live shows while we're there. Uh, we hope that you'll join us. ForteCatholic.com slash travel today to get all the info. 
Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am still Taylor Schroll, and I am joined by a priest that I've looked up to from afar for very for a very long time, and now I get to look directly at him, and maybe not as much uh, up to him <laughs> as we not. welcome him to the show. Not at the end of this <laughs> Father interview. Father Dave Dwyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I just stepped on my own intro. Get, rule number one of being a guest, let the host introduce you. <laughs> No, it's okay. I, I totally understand. You're used to hosting. You host a show all the time. That's you know. what's been weird about this, Taylor, is that for 16 years, I've been hosting the Busted Halo show on Sirius XM. We put up podcasts of it as well. And obviously, a lot of our guests would have something to talk about. Oftentimes, they have a book. So I've been doing this five days a week. And yet, when you're on the other side of the mic, it is a little different. Wait, they're going to ask me questions about my book. I better review my own work so that I can answer the questions. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you have two things going for it, like where I can't be mad at you. One, you host a show that's way more popular than this, than this one. And two, why would a priest ever give power to a layperson? Can I mean, go. come on. We want know? to empower. <laughs> <laughs> we must empower. So, um, I, like you mentioned with the Busta Halo show, I, I've known of that show for about a decade now, and I've uh, I've been listening to that, and, and uh, Lena Ruli's The Catholic Guy Show, um, and y'all do a lot of stuff together. Ironically enough, I got the email from your publicist about this book that we'll be talking about throughout this interview. I got the email while I was listening to a show that was Busted Halo and The Catholic Guy Show together from your Germany pilgrimage. Wow. I was literally listening to it as I got the email. And it, it sounds like I'm lying. I'm not. No, I don't, I I don't have you. to go to confession with you it's great <laughs> it's a, for one thing it's a small catholic world that we have here and also you know the holy spirit is up there kind of putting things together that sometimes we don't notice right at first then you go right. aha <laughs> right so so i've i've known you as as a host of the show for for a long time what i, I knew that you were a paulist but i didn't know your title with the paulist like i always thought like paulist priest and, you know, like director of or director host of the Busted Halo show. Right. But what I didn't know is that until we started emailing back and forth to set this up, you have a title with the Paulist that I've never heard before. You are a Paulist friar, Paulist priest and the first consulter. Mm. That sounds so fancy. What was what does a first consulter do? It is uh, <laughs> so not fancy, Taylor. <laughs> and and I'm going to give you a little bit of a break that you hadn't quote unquote noticed it all these years because I've only had that title since June 7th of this year. So it's a new oh. title. Um, my co-host on the radio show, Brett Sedell, after I started telling people that I have a new job, he said, don't tell people you have a new job. You have an additional job. Because <laughs> I haven't let any of the other job go as executive director of Busted Halo Ministries, which is in addition to the radio show, we reach out, as you do, through a lot of social media and uh, website articles and videos. I had somebody come up to me at Sunday Mass this weekend. I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they said, you're Father Dave. We use your videos for our confirmation class. And I'm like, boy, I shot those when I was a lot younger. I hope I still yeah. hold it holds up. <laughs> but uh, First Consulter is part of our three-person leadership team for the Paulist community. We have a president and a vice president. Most people have heard of those two terms. The third sure. guy, <laughs> for some reason, and, you know, it's in the weeds and it's Catholic inside baseball. We call my position the, the First Consulter. Essentially, it's because the consultors are our general counsel, which essentially would be like a board of directors. And before any of them are elected, I get appointed by the president. So technically, I'm the first one that takes his seat on the council. But also in, in our, um, the way we do it is that that general council 
kind of like a board of directors for a nonprofit or a corporation would get together four or so times a year. According to our Constitution, there's certain things that those people have to ratify. The three of us, though, essentially are running our community full time the whole rest of the year. So I'm on a three person leadership team and we decided just to kind of add that to my plate and see if I could keep doing all the other stuff too. <laughs> so I'll let you know, Taylor. The jury's still out on that one. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like it, the, the title makes more sense to me now, now okay. that you've explained it. Right. But it's also kind of funny where it's like, you know, I, I kind of thought it was like a Catholic version of president and vice president. Yeah. Then you told me that there is a president and vice president. So what's wrong with the vice president that the president doesn't want to consult him first? No, he <laughs> <laughs> He just skips over him and goes to you. I think because we travel so much, and sure, there's Zoom and there's email, but really, he consults whichever one of us he sees first. <laughs> yeah, whoever's closer. That's, that's very funny. So in, in I fact, learned the, something. The, and, the guy who is yeah, now, who's now the vice president, had the job that I, the title anyway, that I had uh, for the last eight years, and he introduces to himself to people. He says, "Well, I'm really doing exactly the same thing, but now I have a title that people can understand." <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm maybe that someday that'll be me, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, one of the titles of yours that I do understand is the executive director of Busted Halo. And I've like I, like I mentioned, my primary co uh, connection to you was through the Busted Halo show on Sirius XM. And I, I remember hearing about it. I'm probably around, I don't know, a decade ish ago. I can't mm -hmm. remember exactly. Um but I remember healing and I was like, busted halo. Like that must be like, you know, some guy that used to be Catholic and now uh, now isn't or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's a Catholic priest. Like it was it was it went from a oh, no to a oh, this is intriguing. Right. <laughs> so why busted halo? Why? Why is your halo busted and why name a ministry that? Well, uh, first of all, one does need to be careful when typing into the search engine because broken halo is something more along the lines of what you were thinking that it is. Oh, no, really? Really? Okay, okay. So sometimes, so, uh, sometimes people come up to me and go, you know, oh, you're that broken halo guy. I'm like, no, 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 that's not me. Not today. That was this weekend. But that's uh, a whole other thing. Uh, the history of the name, which I didn't have anything to do with, I, I, I was uh, inserted after the name was firmly planted. Uh, and as the Paul's fathers, it, it, you, you may be aware, Taylor, that in the late 90s, the, the U.S. bishops came out with a document on young adult ministry, ministering to those in their 20s and 30s, and essentially saw that back then. It was 1996 was the document called Sons and Daughters of the Light. And at, at that point, and this we've come a long way since then, at that point, it was like, this is kind of a, we're at an urgency level now in terms of being able to connect with and reach out to young adults in the Catholic Church here in our country. We need to do something about this. That document talked about essentially like rolling out the red carpet, making a preferential option for ministry to young adults. And yet, as is the bishop's place, they kind of identify a need, an issue, a problem. They'll say, we should do this, but they don't. And it's not even really their job to exactly execute and figure out how to do it. Religious communities like the Paulus Fathers that I belong to will sometimes take up the reins. And so at that point, we said, you know what? They're asking Catholics to figure out how to reach young adults. We should dedicate some of our time and resources to that. So they assigned one of my predecessors and hired a layperson, Taylor. We do empower yeah. people <laughs> with both of us. So it was a, a Paulus father and a layperson who began what at the time was called Paulist Young Adult Ministries, you know, kind of a generic term. And 
This was 1999-2000, and so they sat down with a, uh, groups of young adults, almost like focus groups, except not like behind a two-way mirror and, and that sort of thing, but just kind of collecting, you know, the, the general opinions of folks out there, both churchgoers and not. And w one of the things we asked is, what should we do? And they said, well, you need a website. This was before a lot of social media, so that was, that was the new cutting-edge stuff, website. So we decided to launch a website to reach out to young adults, and then we, when we were testing testing the name and getting ideas for the name. It was actually one of these young adult focus groups that came up with the name. The idea being that none of us are perfect. We say this in the open of the show, Taylor, so you're probably familiar with this. You know, we're not saints yet. None of us are perfect. We're all on a journey towards God, but God is calling us forward anyway. So it's, it's, so neither extreme, even though we live in a culture of extremes these days. Neither extreme is right. We're, we're not saints yet. We don't have the halo. Technically, according to the Catholic Church, we can't be saints until we die. So none of us are saints. <laughs> but, the, but the other extreme is also problematic. Like, oh, never me. You know, if I ever went to church, the walls would crumble down. No, we're called to be saints in the making, if you will, acknowledging that all of our halos are not fully intact yet, and they need to be polished up. They need to be mended. And by the time we get into God's heavenly kingdom, they will be. But for now, they're all kind of busted. And what the young adults brought to that was that acknowledging that, that we are an imperfect community, is somewhat attractive, as opposed to sometimes the church will take the stance that, you know, as Pope Francis is, keeps reiterating, you know, we're not like this, this country club for perfect people. It's more like we're a field hospital. So Busted Halo, I would, I would say that name and then as our, our voice and our style evolved over the years, I would say falls in the line of that. We acknowledge our imperfections, all of ours, you know, yours and mine, the church in general, but also that it's, it's not sufficient to leave it there and say, we're broken, we're imperfect, oh well, forget church, that we are right. being called by God to be saints in the making. Yeah, and I, I remember it vividly. Um, it, was, it was that time around 10 years ago where I found I found your show and I found uh, the Catholic Guy show. And both of those, I, I was in a time where I was like, I thought that every priest and every youth minister I had and every CCE teacher I had and every Catholic leader was perfect and perfectly holy. So I saw there was this disconnect where I'm like, I know I'm not and I can never be that. And it was discouraging more than encouraging. And then I saw people I, I people like you and Busted Halo and, and Lino and, and kind of from there, some other people where I'm like, oh, like the goal is more like I see that person. They're not perfect, yeah. but they're striving for holiness. I can do that. That yeah. was something that I could do. And it was hugely impactful for me as a as a Catholic, as you know, in my spirituality, but also in what I ended up doing. Like I'm doing <laughs> like a lot of my method came from seeing people like you guys do that. So it's, it's just kind of cool to finally talk to you because it's just like you've been an influence on me for <laughs> over you know, 10 years and without even knowing. Well, apparently, so apparently <laughs> we got the name right, because what you just described is exactly the whole point. <laughs> right. right. It, it worked. You did good. Okay. That, that, focus, right. that, well, that focus group did good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> Father Dave Dwyer has left the building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I have another personal question for Ooh. you since I you know, kind of stole that part from, from your personal life and made it my whole personal life. <laughs> um, another thing about you is that you, uh, you've been working in uh, media for a long time in Catholic media for quite some time. But even before that, you worked at a Comedy Central and MTV. And then, you, you know, the whole reason you're here is that you wrote this book. And here I am as somebody who loves audio and vi video and giving talks and doing podcasts and radio and that sort of thing. Could never, would never think to write a book because it's just not like where I thought I was called. And here you are 
a few years ahead of me. Just let's just say two. Let's just say two years ahead of me. A few years ahead of me. Um, so why'd you finally write a book after years and years of success in you know other areas? Well, Taylor, uh, like you, <laughs> I also did not feel called to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> so when I uh, all those years ago in 1999, when I made my final profession, or other communities would call it final vows or perpetual vows to the Paulus Fathers, I promised to be part of the team. This. Taylor, That's when you were the this last is, consultant. Th th exactly right. That's when I was the last <laughs> consultant. This book writing is an example of taking one for the team. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <Because> I see. <laughs> we have the oldest independent Catholic publishing company in the United States. Paul's Press was founded by our founder of the of the Paul's community, Father Isaac Hecker, in the in the late 1800s. We've had at first it was um what you might call tracts or pamphlets to kind of evangelize people, then they moved into the first mag the first Catholic magazine in the United States called called the Catholic World, and it eventually evolved into a publishing company publishing books. I don't know if you've Looked around, Taylor, lately? Not as many people buying books lately. Also, yeah. <laughs> not as many people practicing the Catholic faith lately. So you get those two, that little Venn diagram, and an independent Catholic book com publishing company struggles to make ends meet. So my brothers have been... I'm going to say for 10 years, just nudge me and go, come on, you got to write a book. You got a big audience with the radio show. They'll love it. They'll buy the, but it doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter. You're please write a book. And then it's when I kept saying, no, no, it's not my gift. And it's still, I still, it still is not like, but so they were saying, okay, well, what do you mean? You you're great. We got to sell the books. It's tremendous. Well, but you have all this great content, just like you're saying, Taylor. I mean, I, I have, as you know, I've been in media, working in media. You may not know that even prior to MTV and Comedy Central, I was playing with a cassette tape recorder when I was six, pretending I was a radio host. So this is, I, I've been doing this. I can do this. I think I do it okay, but never really saw myself as a writer. So Paulus Press says, okay, how about this? You've been doing the show all these years. You answer these questions of faith. There's all that content out there. And hey, guess what? You recorded it. So what we'll do is we'll just go back into the archives of all your old radio shows. You don't have to do it. You don't have to lift a finger. We'll just go back into the archives of all these radio shows. We'll find we decided at least I was at I was at a meeting where we decided, well, let's I take questions on a lot of different topics. But every Wednesday, actually, since we went on the air, we used to have something like a different theme every day of the week. Just to kind of when you're first starting, as I'm sure you know, when you're first starting in podcasting or radio, the first thing you think is, oh my gosh, how are we gonna fill all that time? And in this case, every day, in this case, it was three hours every day. So wow. it was sort of like, whoa. So one of the things that helps with that from a production standpoint is that you can hang something out every day of the week. So when when you roll into the office on Wednesday and say, what are we going to talk about for three hours uh, tonight? Oh, we have a theme every Wednesday. So Wednesdays, we called Mass Class Wednesday. We figured that Mass is almost assuredly the most common experience that we have together as Catholics. And mass is old and complex, and there's a lot of rituals, and it's done in a lot of different ways in different places. So people will probably have questions about mass. Right, and so yeah. we've been ask, <laughs> answering questions about the mass for 16 years on the radio. So Paul's press says, all right, we'll go back we'll in the archives. Don't worry about it. We'll hire some editors and some assistants. They'll they'll transcribe it, and we'll just put it into chapters. Then we'll just, you know, we'll put your name on it. I'm like, whoa, uh, that sounds good. It sounds <laughs> almost a little lacking in integrity. But, yeah, it might be like one of those where a big celebrity writes a book, and then it says on the really fine print, and also this guy who actually really right, yeah. wrote it. But here's the big name. So it was, that was the idea. So that was a great sounding idea. That's how they lured me in, Taylor. And then 
they presented me with this manuscript and I'm like, is that what I sound like on the air? <laughs> <laughs> this will not do. So essentially, I rewrote the whole thing from scratch. I mean, it is the questions that I've answered, but the rewriting was more in the fact that, as you can tell now, like if we just, we're, as we are, we're rolling tape. If we send this into a transcription thing, you know, it's, it doesn't look pretty. It's not nice grammar. It's not nice poetic style. So I kind of rewrote things so that they'd be, you know, more a, 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 a pleasing to the eye when reading in book form. Ooh, they made it a hardcover. And so <laughs> I, that allowed me to also to find research, not footnotes per se, but to actually substantiate my answers in the teaching of the church with the primary sources. I decided not to make it really overly academic, not just because I didn't feel like writing a book, but because <laughs> I wanted it to also have a little bit of the feel of me answering questions on the air. And when I'm in the studio, I don't have a vast theological library. I have... Uh, I, I try to use sparingly what we refer to on the Busted Halo show as Our Lady of Wikipedia. Don't want to use her all that often. <laughs> but in the studio, I have the Roman Missal, which is the big prayer book that we pray out of, and the instruction of the Roman Missal, which kind of tells, tells you the why behind the what is part of that book. I have the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I have a Bible. I have those three things in the studio with me. If I have to, somebody calls with a question, I go, okay, well, let me, let me do my best to kind of give you a good answer. So I decided only to choose those three as the primary sources when, when citing things in the book. But I thought it would be helpful if people did want to find out some more. Here's a Catechism reference. If you want to go find the Roman Missal online, which you can. You don't have to buy. You don't have to buy any of these things. You can find the Bible online. So I figured if people want to do a little more, they want to dive a little deeper. I could at least give them, give them some references, which I don't typically do when I'm speaking extemporaneously on the air. And therefore, we had to do a we when I say we me I had to do a little more work <laughs> on this book after we had that grand idea that all we'd have to do is transcribe <laughs> the audio tapes. It didn't quite work out that way. So in answer to your question, what made me decide to write a book? Uh, being a member of a community and wanting to be a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun. I, I can't wait to go back and watch my face and the excitement in my like I, I would I just imagine the excitement on my face when you were saying that all you have to do to write a book is just go back and look at the transcripts of what I've said on previous podcasts for the last seven years. And then I got all excited and You're then like, you said and then that didn't work and I had to do work. It's like, dang it, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, sounded, you know, Taylor, what I've learned in this life, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's no way he's just revealing on, on this show that he didn't write the book. And sure enough, you there's, did write no the book. There's no way. <laughs> um, so here's what I want to do. We're getting to the end of our time. Oh. The book is called oh. Mass Class from the Paulus Friars. Um, Paul's but fathers. I would like to, Paulus well, Fathers. Yeah, is that, fathers. yeah, sorry. I, I didn't consult the right person. <laughs> I apologize. Um, <laughs> I want to give I want to give people a taste. I want to ask you two questions okay. about the mass before cool. we, we end our time. Yep. So the first one being is I like secrets. And one of the things that you talk about in the book is there are some secret prayers that the priest prays that he doesn't typically doesn't pray out loud. So it's a secret just for the priest. And I'm a lay person. I want to know. So what are these secret prayers? Well, it's interesting that well, I remember when this call came in, actually. Some of them I do stick out in my memory. I couldn't tell you exactly what year or, you know, where on the road the person was driving or whatever. But I do remember this because I remember that uh, this is a, like a lot of the questions I get. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize how that part of the mass would be perceived and I never would have thought of that. And and it's interesting because while it while you know the priest is kind of mumbling or maybe you see just his lips moving or maybe whispering or whatever, um that that people could perceive, uh oh, what's he doing there? The word in Latin is in fact secreto, 
secret. But what it really translates into, and when you see it in, in Italian, in fact, in the Roman Missal, it says in a sotto voce, in a soft voice, and mm. or a, a low voice. So this, the priest says this, and usually in, in English, we translate it to inaudibly, but the priest is saying it, praying it. So it's somewhere between strictly, just completely in my head, like, what am I thinking about Taylor right now? Don't say that, please. <laughs> yeah. So it's somewhere between that and, you know, sort of like, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, you know, just sort of a, a low <laughs> rumble or whatever. But the reason for that is what's more interesting. The, the, they're not intended, certainly not intended to be secret. It's it's not any kind of an incantation that the uh, unlearned people can't know about. It's not like you, you all out there haven't reached the, you couldn't possibly handle what these words are, you lay people. <laughs> no, it's because the vast majority of the words that come out of the priest's mouth during the course of the Mass are him acting as a representative, praying on behalf of the people that are gathered there to God. And because he is the president or presider, the idea is he's leading the people, and yet in many ways they are our prayers. And so very often, even though the priest is saying it, we're hearing first-person plural, where we and us in, in, in a lot of the praying. So the idea is... Just like if you went to anything else, if you went to like a big rally, like a big political rally, the person up in the front would be on a microphone and people could hear what they're saying. The, the quote, secreto prayers or the sotto voce prayers are, are very few times throughout the mass when the priest prays a private prayer about himself. So mm -hmm. both of them really are about his own worthiness. So one of them is, is before proclaiming the gospel and praying that, you know, even though I've been a sinful person this week, Lord, uh, it's only you that could deem me worthy to proclaim your word. And then as we're as we're doing what we call the lavabo, which is the washing, the little washing of the hands, this turned into a little bit more of a, a demonstrative ritual during the COVID. I don't know if you noticed. There was like all kinds of Purell and there was like <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, for centuries, it's been like dipping a little, you know, hands in a little water or whatever. And it's not intended to, it wasn't until COVID, but it's not intended to um, really be a thorough hand washing. Ideally, that should happen prior to celebrating Mass. Right. And, you know, if you need the Purell during, that's fine. But it's a ritual that indicates the cleansing that we all get at baptism and acknowledging that the priest, right before the important part of the Mass, right before praying the words of Jesus and being sort of a conduit of the grace of the Holy Spirit, the priest acknowledges that he is a sinner and needs to be cleansed from that sin. So, um, so, so, so that little prayer that's happening during the lavabo, Lord, wash me of my iniquity, cleanse me of my sin. Sometimes you hear that because some of the sometimes the priest will, if there's not music, will say these things loud enough to be heard. And these days we have a mic. Back in the day when they invented sotto voce, it was because there was no mic, and the rest of the mass he was like, "In nomine Patri, Spirit." And then the rest of it's like, "I got to get my voice a little break here, just a vocal I'm, break." Yeah, yeah. Just praying for myself. They don't need to really hear that. But uh, it's not secret in the sense that you know you guys can't handle it. But it's really because all the other words the priest is saying is for the benefit of the people. And those words, those prayers are just praying to God for me. You know, uh, Lord, uh, I, I need help to cleanse me of my sins. Now I'll get back to being, you know, in charge with everybody. It's really cool because one of the parts of the mass that I've been focused on a lot recently is is what what we all say is the Lord I'm not worthy you should under my, under my roof but only say the word my soul shall be healed that's essentially that the sa the same thing that the lay people are saying is what you're saying that the priest is saying before the gospel and communion of like look I'm not worthy for this but you have made me worthy that's just a really cool 
connection between what the, what the priest is doing and what what uh, the the congregation is doing. So, uh, my final question Ooh. is: You've been you've been doing this 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 segment on the show for years. You wrote the book Mass Class. You've been answering questions about the mass for years. And what your publisher wants me to ask is: What's the most common question? <laughs> but I'm a rebel. I don't want to know the most common question. I want to know the most like random, off the wall, strange question that you've ever been asked about the mass. Well, I, I will. I'll, I'll answer that by saying one that would never have occurred to me that was kind of like a, wow, like where did that come from? So it is kind of off the wall. And it's on the phrase that you just used. So it's the part mm. of the mass that you've been focusing on that it never would have occurred to me to ask that. But several people over the years have taken that phrase that you just said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. They go. Okay, what's the word? Yeah, <laughs> Doritos. <laughs> so in the book, I explained that it's a turn of phrase that works in English, and apparently it worked in Aramaic. And when you know Matthew and Luke wrote right. it down, it worked in Greek too. That we would say if a friend is in trouble, let's say a friend just lost a parent or something, you would probably express something like. If there's anything you need, if you just don't feel like cooking for the kids tonight, just say the word and I'll be there. That's It's a turn of phrase that we, right. in fact, use. And yet when we hear it in the mass, we go, oh, wait, that's what that means? <laughs> right. So, so, so essentially it means, and I go into a little more detail in the book, that in other words, if you're expressing to that friend, like you don't have to justify it. You don't, you don't have to pay me back for it. Um, this is a complete gift of grace that, that, um, you know, we don't have to go through all that. So we're saying that <laughs> we're, we're saying that, you know, uh, if, if I had to describe how I would need to be healed or, or if I would have to work my salvation off, it would never work, but I know that I'm not worthy and just speak the word. It also scripturally comes from a scene that is somewhat familiar because in the same way, the same great faith, the centurion that approaches Jesus that says, you know, my daughter's sick over at my house a couple of miles away. And Jesus is like, all right, guys, fellas, let's go. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he says, really that whole those two halves of that phrase, I'm not worthy that you, someone so great should make a trek all the way to my house. But I have such faith in you that I know that standing here, all you need to do is say she is healed, and I believe that she is. And Jesus says, this guy has faith. And it's, the scripture says, and at the moment, his daughter was healed. So, so again, we're expressing that faith. I have such faith in God that even though examining my heart and knowing that all my sins, and if I was in a court of law, they would give me a sentence, and I'd have to work this off on a chain gang or many years behind bars, I know that for God, God merely says, welcome. I love you. You are mine. Whatever that word is, we have faith that it's just at God saying that invitation, come, follow me, that that is what heals us. Now, for the rest of my life, this is, this is just how my brain works. It's not your fault at all. It's just how my brain works with scripture. For the rest of my life, when I hear the story of that centurion, I'm going to imagine Jesus in a sotto voce voice saying the word Doritos, and that's what heals that Doritos? little girl. Doritos. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, Doritos. <laughs> yeah, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's so funny that that was, the que that, that was yeah. your answer to the question, no. that, uh, yeah. that, that, that off-the-wall question. Because mm -hmm. my dad is very quiet. 
and uh, we we were sitting at Christmas mass this past Christmas. We you know drove over to their to their house. We went to mass with them, and he whispered, leaned over and whispered to me that question. I was like, "What? Like, what are you talking about?" You know. So it's perfect that those kinds of questions are answered for for everybody in the book, whether it's the secret little things or the most popular. They're questions answered in the in book mass called class. Mass Class. Your questions answered. <laughs> Available from paulspress.com. By Father Dave Dwyer and not Father Dave Dwyer by editors from his no, show. Over I the actually last did decade. it. <laughs> yep, I will not do it again anytime soon, Taylor. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay, so where, where's the best place for them to buy it? Paulspress.com. I mean, you certainly can go to Amazon. It's easy. Your information's all in there. And Amazon takes a little chunk. Uh, Paul's Press gets a little more if you buy it from Paul's Press. But also, there I understand go. it comes together on Tuesday with all your other soap and everything else. So that's fine. And actually, if you do buy it on Amazon, if you review it, then it get, like more people see it. They actually buy more copies. So, so Amazon... It's a necessary evil. So either way, sure. either on Amazon, just search for Mass Class. It's it was it was number one in a couple of their categories when it first came out. So it it does when you search for it, it does show up. So feel free. It's perfect. That's perfect. Oh, I'm excited. It's it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Guys, go buy the book Mass Class on on Paul's Press or on Amazon. Leave a review. Uh, you could follow Dave Dwyer on all the social medias. Uh, connect with him on Busted Halo Show every day on SiriusXM. Or if you're cheap like me, you can get the free podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Anything else you want to close this with, Father? I think you did. That whole little uh, tale there was perfect. <laughs> we did it. Well, Father Dave, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate thank talking you. to you. Thanks for having me. And yeah, absolutely. Everybody listening, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Although it'll be a little sad because Father Dave won't be with us, but we are going to continue the show. Don't go anywhere. Last week, we had Catholic comic creator Andy Shaggy Cordy on the show to talk about something that he's doing this November called Nove Arts Ordo. This is a, um, a challenge for comic creators and uh, artists for, throughout the entire month, and it's all centered around creating art every single day or every week, if you can't do every day, um, around the saints. Um, and so it's just really cool to see somebody like him, who is a professional comic creator, do things. He's, he's made saint cards for us. He's made incredible incredible drawings you can follow all of this on twitter instagram and facebook at andy shaggy cordy k-o-r-t-y the the links are down in the description check it out uh, my i know my daughter is a big uh is a big artist so she's going to be um uh, participating in the Nove Arts Ordo Challenge. We hope that you guys will uh, give Andy a follow. Check out all of the art that he is making and that other people are creating as well. Check it out once again at Andy Shaggy Cordy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll, rejoined by John Jonathan Bearded Lene Blevins. John, mm. um, we both talk off off camera quite a bit about our our gambling we both love to gamble on sports you just got back from vegas um i would have loved to have been in vegas like, i just love gambling right and the catholic yeah. church says that as long as it's you know extra money and entertainment money and not your mortgage or to feed your kids then it's perfectly fine go have some fun right um but i could tell that you just got back from vegas because i offered you something uh, in between segments i said here are two <laughs> two segments that i have planned and we could do either one. And, and like how this works is I all, almost always have bonus segments ready to go. Right. Because, if you know, yeah. I, I, I need I'm always constantly preparing for this week's show, next week's show, the next week's show, that sort of thing. So I have two and you liked both of them and uh, you couldn't decide. So what was your s solution for uh, for how we should decide? We sometimes I do this, Taylor. So, uh, and more often than I like to admit, I flip a coin. We did. We let's let, let's let fate decide. <laughs> so we let fate decide. So um, you'll get, uh, we flipped a, a, a coin, heads one, 
So don't worry, guys. It's not like it's going to be a mystery. You just have to wait another week to hear tales because I'll do it next week with Father Anthony. So, <laughs> But what I'm going to be doing with John is what was ended up being the head's answer. So I, ha- I had this thing the other day where uh, it is often it has often confused me how Jesus has said that he is different things at the same time that seem contradictory. For example, Jesus has said, I am the gate. I am the way. He's also said he is the gatekeeper. He also said he's the lamb. And he also has said that he's the shepherd. That's all the characters in that story. <laughs> <laughs> all the characters. <laughs> so I get confused. I'm like, are you the shepherd? Are you the gate? Are you the door? Are you the sheep? Are you the shepherd? Like, I, I don't know what you mean, right? Um, yep. And then I heard, um, you know, I, I've been, C.S. Lewis has been on the mind a lot. I edited a C.S. Lewis podcast and they were talking about, you know, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. And so the lion, you know, Aslan. Uh, so yep. the lion and the lamb have been on my mind quite a bit, uh, you know. There's a bunch of songs and Christian hymns about. You know, What's the first one that comes to your mind, though? The Sing lion it. and the lamb, and every knee will bow nope, before not me. him. What's yours? Oh yeah, yeah, same one. Wait. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yep. Same. Same. I was about to say, do you know another one? <laughs> no, that that one for sure. Uh, the lion of Judah. So, um, I was thinking about it. I was like. You can't get more opposite, right? The lion will lay down with the lamb. Like uh, Jesus is the lamb of God, but he's also the lion of Judah. And I was like, how can he be both of those things? So I'm going to, I brought it to my best theologian friend. His name is Jonathan Blevins, live here on the show. How can oh. Jesus be both the lion and the lamb? Uh, man, I mean, I guess I know we're doing theology here, Taylor. I mean, that's what the third Holy segment's God. for, baby. We get serious towards the end. <laughs> you know, I know. I, li- I do like that. Uh, well, I mean, so the, the you look at Jesus as the Lamb of God. He's a sacrificial lamb, right? Which was the thing that that everyone, every Jew would have known about for sure throughout his entire life. Um, and then he made the final sacrifice of all and became the ultimate Lamb of God, right? The the new covenant that we it wouldn't have to be another one. Um, and so that in that way, we call him the Lamb of God, oversimplifying, of course. And then... You know, you. I like to think of him as you know coming back like a like a lion when he you know you read Revelation and the way the way the Catholic Church reads Revelation. One of the ways is that Jesus is going to come back like a warrior for all of us, right? So he's a sacrificial lamb. At one point, laid his life down so that we might have life, and was mocked and and spit on and crucified uh, the way that an animal would have been and an innocent one. So that's why he's a lamb, and then come back, you know, to bring us all away to take us from Satan and bring us up to heaven ultimately like a warrior like a lion would would do uh and so it makes it makes perfect sense theologically that way you had to do one before the other uh and i love it because as you know i'm a big lions fan and not just the detroit lions but also i've had a fascination with lions my whole life um i just think they're a fascinating animal they do right no you do (laughs) oh that's very kind thank you uh i I just i love them and 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 the image so then the imagery of like because one of the things i love about lions is just the the way they work together the fierceness that they have the um there's a the 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 male lion really like the one that gets to stay in the tribe ultimately the adult one is just he's the king like it's one of the reasons they're called king of the jungle isn't just because they run the jungle as the species but also because there's just like one adult male in the entire thing what song song do you think about whenever you hear what you just said which, which, which one? Yeah. What did I just say? 
Which is a great song so as well. What's really funny is I, for the first time in my life, because of everything you just said, I pictured the end times, whatever Jesus comes back as the lion of Judah and the, you know, the, the, uh, the angels are playing trumpets, right? He's coming with trumpet yep. blasts, but that's what they're going to be playing on the trumpets. Oh, I wish. That'd be so good. <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, also, be I love what you said because that'd be the first time that the Lions win the championship because Jesus, you know, is coming back to to, to take over and he's going to win that battle. Um, I, I I'm just mad because I lost money on your Lions. They had the uh, you know the uh, a couple weeks ago they had the number one offense and so I bet on them and uh, then they scored zero points. So well, first, yeah, <laughs> it's my my fault I guess that I bet on them. <laughs> And hurt I, me too. I made your lions lose. But here's here's the thing. And I think you're right. No, I know that you're right. Everything that you just said is correct. But I think where there's some nuance that I've been like kind of I think he was the lion of Judah before he came here, right? So I think you're right. I think he came here to be the sacrificial lamb, and that when he comes back, he's he's the conquering lion of Judah, right? But I think ultimately we're mixing metaphors, but I think the lion came down. And he was always the conqueror. He's always God, right? Sure. So he lowered yeah. himself to become a lamb and to sacrifice himself. And then you're right. He does go back to being a lion, right? So I've been thinking about it a lot because we've been talking. I, um, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were saying something that is true, but not fully the truth, right? They were leaving out a part of the truth that is also true. So we as Christians are supposed to be like Christ in as as many ways as we possibly can, right? So if Jesus yep. is able to balance this um, seeming <laughs> uh, dichotomy of being a lion and a lamb all at the same time, I think a cat dog, you remember that, that, uh, oh, dude, that yes. cartoon? Half lion, cat half dog. lamb. You know? Cat dog, cat dog, cat diggity dog. <laughs> so uh, all, all the old people and young people uh, on the show are very confused, but the millennials know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So... um. We are called to be like him in as many ways as we as, as we possibly can, right? So we are called to be lions, and we are called to be lambs, right? And I was talking with somebody, and they were very adamant. They they like I was I was sharing about how we are all sheep, like lay people in the church. We are sheep. We are followers. We are followers of God. We are called to follow our bishops, and uh, like this person with some very well meaning and uh, maybe even correct. <laughs> Uh, pushback was like bishops have let us down other leaders in the church have let us down so i'm not going to be a sheep anymore like i can't see myself as a sheep and a follower anymore i'm a co-conqueror i'm a co-heir with christ i'm I'm, an, I'm a warrior i'm a battler right and nothing that she said was incorrect other than lacking the balance of we are all we are sheep we are followers. Whether we like it or not, we are we are followers. Jesus is the shepherd, and he has put shepherds above us, whether we like it or not, right? So this whole submission to a shepherd, yeah. a, a, a God shepherd and human shepherds, it's like we, we have to do both, right? And I think some of us can, I think naturally, just because of disposition or upbringing or whatever, just who we are, can naturally go to either of those sides. I'm a lion. I'm a conqueror for God. I'm a fighter for God. And then other people, it's really much easier to be like, no, I'm I'm a follower. I'm a, I'm I'm kind of more quiet. I'm gonna kind of keep to myself. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna take care of myself and not worry about what's going on out there. When I think, if we're gonna be like Christ, we have to be both. 
And I, I struggle. This person was struggling. I think a lot of people struggle with which one am I? And the answer is both, but that's hard. Yeah. I, I think there's just times also in everyone's life, you have to be both. Right. And, and even in just specific examples where you're going to like, there's times where you're going to have to fight for the truth. And even if you're not, you like, I think you and I would be say that we're open to doing that whenever we need to. But and, and some people might be like, I don't know if I'd ever do that. But like, we're all called to do that at some point, even if it's in a loving, it should always be done in a loving way, but sometimes in a, in a bold way, for sure. And then there's other times where we're called to be gentle, right? Like, like a lamb and, and not just, not just follow Like, you're right. Of course, follow the teachings, you know, who hands down the teachings, but the Holy Spirit through the bishops. So, and, and ultimately you're following, if you're following the teachings, you're ultimately in a weird way following bishops who are following Christ. But, um, but there's also just in general, like there's, we need to be like calm and loving in the face yeah. of, of crazy arguments like a lamb. So I think there's a whole bunch of different ways we can look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you pointed it out well for both, for you and I, I think if we're going to err on either side, I think you and I would both err on the, the lion side, right? Like we're both pretty vocal about our faith. We've both worked in ministry. We know how to defend the truth and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and I know it, at least for me, like even as I'm saying this to this person, I like it's 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 one of those moments where I'm saying something to somebody and it's piercing my own heart, right? Where it's like yep. I have been hurt by leaders in the church, both locally and higher up that are further away from me, right? Um, and there's just been so many stories of saints who, even when the saints were right and their bishop or their prior or their whoever was in charge of them, the head nun, the head brother, whatever, whoever was in charge of them, they still submitted to their authority because that authority was given to them by God, right? Yep. So because a bishop is incorrect, that doesn't take away the authority that's been granted to him by God. Because a, a priest is, um, uh, does, isn't doing what you want, that doesn't mean that he's not a priest of God, right? And that pierced me because I have struggled and been hurt by those people, right? But it's yeah. like, so seeing these saints and seeing Jesus be a lamb and be spit on and be led to slaughter as a lamb, it just really challenged me as I was saying to this other person who might even be further on the pendulum swing on the lion side than I am, but it still <laughs> pierced my heart of like, man, I, I, I think I got to kind of get back to this. I think I need to be, you know, at least recognize one, recognize that I haven't been a sheep in a lot of those situations and find some balance there. Right. That doesn't mean going all full sheep and being a doormat and being pushed over. The lion's still right. going to come out every now and then. Right. But it's like finding that balance um, was just kind of challenging for me. Yeah. And I do think there's also two ways to look at it. I think, I think that it, you can, you know, I, maybe I'm wrong here. I'm just thinking out loud because I haven't thought of this before, but I think that you can look the lot one way theologically and another way, um, just at how you're going to approach life. Like, I think that I, it's okay for you and I to say, well, there's this, there's an organization. I'm not, I'm definitely not endorsing them because I don't know a lot about them, but I do follow the leader on, on Instagram and just kind of like some of the things about them. There's some things I'm like, ah, you're a Christian, you're claiming to be a Christian. You can't really say that about yourself, but it's called lions, not sheep. Um, and like, I think from a, in a professional world, looking at it, like I'm a lion, not a sheep, like I'm going to start my own trends and that kind of, that's, I think that's fine. But theologically, if he's going to claim to be a Christian, you got to, you got to be like, no, we're, you can be both. And we're kind of called to be both for sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know anything about this organization, but I think that organization is 
pointing towards something that I'm arguing against, right? Yeah, but I think it's to- totally different things. One is like one is it, it is a little bit he because he claims to be Christian, it definitely does have that tone. But the way he looks at it, it's totally in the just the business world. Yeah, like don't be a follower in the business world. Um, you know, build your own path in the business world. But then as a but as a Christian, we have to be both. So I can I can see someone who's non-religious be like, be a lion, not a sheep. Fine, whatever. But in a religious way, like disagree. You have to be. Also, I this is why I think being Catholic is so incredible. Is that like you see what happens when somebody tries to live what I just set out in their theological world, and you get the rise and fall of Mars Hill. We have no accountability, no one that you have to submit to. Like submission, is, submission is a good thing uh, to to authority. And uh, I digress, but that's those are my interesting thoughts. Yeah, and, and it's and it's it's yeah. I think part of the issue is I I don't think we can separate those two things. I don't think that I can be a lion and a lamb in my personal life and then only be a lion in the business world. Right. And like, so I get like, there's like, there's positive things in what you said and what, and what he has said, right. Of this lions, lions over lambs guy or whatever. Um, Like being a trendsetter and like going against the grain, like that's being a creative, like that stuff is good. Right. But like that could also lead to like trampling over other people, and then if like if you're not bringing the sheep side oh, for sure. into, like I I I I've worked for years to have an integrated life, right? The the place that I am the least integrated is sports. Like <laughs> I was joking the other day. Um, we have my my son is playing in this like Catholic sports league or whatever, and um, a, another person who's pretty prominent in our faith community was sitting next to me at. A football game on Friday night, the the high school football game, where they're all cheering on, and they're announcing that um, that t- that for the Catholic thing that my son plays in, that like the next we're gonna really focus on I forget what it was like faith tomorrow. That's gonna be the the virtue that we focus on, and we uh, we kind of looked at each other and kind of smiled. We're like. I don't think I want him to learn faith in football. I think I want him to learn like vengeance. Like you lost last week. Like you should go back and crush them. Right. So <laughs> yeah. that is like me in the sports world. 100% not bringing the lamb into it. Right now, again, yeah. sports, there's aggression, just like in business, sports, business, it's going to tend towards one direction. Right. But we can't just completely leave the land side. Otherwise we get Mars Hill. Yeah, you're right. And if you're going to, yeah. And that one way I think you can't integrate it is you smack the quarterback and, and and sack them you help them back up you know what i mean like it's it's the play's over help them up get them again on the next play right right yeah exactly exactly so a- any way that we can find integration in the and the whole the whole of our life to be a lion of the land the challenge for me this week is like which way do i tend and in what scenarios do i tend to be more lion or more lamb and try to bring those two things together. And I think uh, talking to you helped me help me kind of f- figure some of that out. It's like Same, taking, brother. Like taking the next step with you. So um, that's our show today, John. Thanks for being here. Gosh, we did a great job during that interview too, didn't we? Oh, dude, you didn't mess up once. I know. With with, <laughs> with our favorite priest, whose name is? Father Dave Dwyer. From the good old Boston Halo Show. I want to thank him for coming on as well. John, we'll be back next month. I will be back next week. Say it. Oh,
Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. We hope that you enjoyed it. We had a blast today. Uh, so I really hope that you felt that and, and had a blast as well. Uh, if, if you did enjoy today's show, make sure that you hit subscribe, especially over on YouTube, youtube.com slash Forte Catholic. Not only do we have a weekly episode of this show every week, but we have just been pumping out videos over the last few weeks. Um, our Catholic Foundations course, we've got seven of those 10. It's our Catholicism 101 series. So if you want to brush up on some of your Catholic theology, uh, me and, and a couple of my friends are doing like a, just a, you know, Catholicism 101, just really diving into some of these things. Um, so if you're new to Catholicism or you've been Catholic for forever and need, need a refresher because you haven't, uh, you know, gone to CCE in 40 years, uh, then check out those videos. We've also got some new um, videos in our A Catholic Perspective series uh, for spooky season. I recorded videos, uh, video reviews from a Catholic perspective on Morbius and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of madness so check all of those videos out today at youtube.com slash catholic and we'll see you very very soon love you